Reading FC endured one of potentially the worst weeks of their recent history this week in a time when we probably thought we were over that sort of stuff. Welcome to the Tarleston Podcast, episode 330. I'm your host, Mark Mayer, as per usual, joining me to talk about a defeat of five goals and another defeat of potentially six points is Westy. How's it going, mate? Yeah, good, Mark. I'm glad to be on the show. It's a shame it's under these circumstances, but hey-ho, we'll get used to this on the way days. Yeah, we're uh, we're not, not too unfamiliar with these sort of circumstances, I guess, are we? We'll have, have uh, plenty to talk about later on. Got a lot in the mailbag. And uh, yeah, as I say, have the recap of the 5-0 defeat to Middlesbrough, talk about the points deduction in news bites, which is potentially coming this week, and then we'll round it off with a nice, easy chat about the home game against the team second in the league. So nice and uh, at least some good news to come as we uh, get back to the football and an easy three points, no doubt. So let's get into the recap then. As always, a thank you to our sponsors, Zersida Films and our Patreon subscribers. Right, let's get into recapping this week's action. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. Where do we start with this one then, Westy? 5-0 at Middlesbrough and just just a game that completely got away from us, wasn't it? it uh, the the best thing I can say, or not the best thing, but the best analysis I saw this game was from a tweet by a guy called Matt saying that 38% of Ince's away games as Reading manager have seen us concede three or more goals and this was just another of them. This was just the sort of collapse that we've seen all too often this season. I mean, the stats for our away games are, are appalling, aren't they? They really are bad. I know we've got the worst uh, away record in the league. I think that's the third time the last three games away from when we've had one shot on goal. Um, I was kind of buoyed by the team selection, actually, at the start of the match. But at least he's going out there to try and win the game. Yeah. I mean, one, of my, one of my criticisms of Reading, probably for the last two seasons, is when we attack teams, we don't get enough players in the box. I think we see it against Blackpool uh, on the own game. It's like two players in a box where Blackpool tried to flood our box. And uh, we said, watching the game against Blackpool, that a better side would have would have beat us quite easily. Uh, and then that come to fruition in the away game against Miller's where they did beat us quite easily. Um, but yeah, I was a bit buoyed. Just start at the beginning. I was a bit buoyed by the team selection. I thought, OK, well, at least they're going to go and try and win the game. It was good to see Yidham back. Um, although two of the goals were <laughs> basically come from his side and got played over his head, so he didn't have one of his better games. Um, it's just just every time they go away, I think I think ninety five percent, if not everyone who supports Reading, are just waiting for him to get beat. Um, I don't know how you can have such a big disparity between being a decent side at home and being so poor away from home. I mean, the Cardiff game, I'm sure you watched it like I did. I mean, Reading never looked like they was going to win that game and they rightly got beat at the end of it because that's exactly what they deserved. But Cardiff were a poor side. Let's make no bones about it. Poor side. We go up against a good side in Middlesbrough. To be fair, I thought the first one, was it an handball? Yeah, it struck his arm, but it's harsh from that distance to give a penalty. And I know a lot of people have had a pop at this week about his after, after-match press conferences and saying stuff like, you know, if we'd have got the decisions, it could have been a different game. And I'm going to be unpopular on this one. I'm going to back him to a certain extent because that foul on Shane Long, if that's not a penalty, then I don't know what is. Um, He gave him a soft one. I thought their penalty at the end was a definite penalty, but the guy was clever. He got got the run on McIntyre and stepped across him and went down, got a penalty. Um, But if that's a penalty, then Shane Long's penalty is a penalty all day long. 
Um, he's he's shooting a next. His next step is a shot. I mean, whether the keeper would have saved or not, you don't know because he was getting quite close to him. But even if the referee had thought, you know what, I think it was clumsy and I thought the goalkeeper was probably going to get there. So I'm going to give the penalty, not send the man off. But to not give anything, um, the linesman must have been in line with it. I, I can't see how that's not a penalty decision. And if they get the penalty there and he sends a man off, which he probably should have done, you, you could be back at one all and then you're playing against 10 men. So I know it's an excuse, um, but... On a different day, could could it have been a different result? Maybe. But the worst thing about the whole thing is the capitulation afterwards and the fact that they're just... Uh, I mean, uh, the quality of the team, again, if you sit and watch Reading all season, and Ince said it the other week, and again, he got pelters for it, saying that the players aren't good enough to play football. I, I agree with him. I mean, that touch from Mbenge to gift them that second goal. I mean, if you'd have seen that in a part football match, you'd have been disappointed. And the, just the overall play, the passing, like the simple passes they give away against Blackpool when they was in good possession, um, just grim. I mean, I, I moaned about Maytay the other week. I mean, I thought he had a good game against Blackpool. He played in his proposition. He'd done what he'd done best, which is get it from out from his feet and try and bully players. I mean, but his all-round passing the game before when he got hauled off was, I thought it was the worst game I've ever seen him have. Um, and that's been, that's gone across, that's swept across the side. I mean, you see Loom try and play a simple pass and he can't do it. Uh, it's just players that are professional footballers that can't pass the ball 20 yards at pace and then move afterwards. It, it's frightening. And I mean, if Ince is having a pop up for that, then we can all see it. So I'm going to, again, I'm going to back him to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, these are players that they brought in. So you must have had them watch. So if you know they're not good footballers, why well, we got them in the first place? That's my question. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad question at all. And I think the thing is for me is that when it comes to the team selection for this game, is that yeah, it was attacking. And I was I, I liked it as well. I thought it was a good lineup. It was I, I think because it is a bit of a free hit going to a team that's what well, they third in the league and having a you know, having a go at them is the idea. But the result of that was that we didn't have a shot on target the entire game. And we weren't, you know, we weren't five nil down the entire game. We were only, it was one nil until, was it the 46th or so minute? I think is obviously with the penalty as well. And in that first half, we were still fundamentally outplayed and still fundamentally didn't have a shot on target. So even with, you know, the changes and stuff, there still wasn't. And yeah, right. The players need to take a, a large amount of responsibility for it. I think it was the third goal that their midfielder runs into the box. Hendrik and Cassidy are about seven yards away from the box, just watching it happen, jogging back, easy finish and that sort of stuff. I think that I, I do have sympathy for Ince in that sense. I have total sympathy for Ince in the sense of the long penalty. Completely agree that that is a penalty. And if you watch it back, I think the, the thing that sticks in it for me is that when it happens, there's like no noise. Obviously, it's, it's some away fans at the far end make a bit of noise, but that they're at the far end of the ground. There aren't loads of them. Middlesbrough fans all just kind of silent. There are a couple of appeals from Reading players, but they're not really in the referee's face. And then, it, you know, the referee's able to just get on with it then. But because if it would have been the home team, it's a classic, yeah, definitely a penalty because everyone's up on their feet, everyone's shouting, and it's a really easy decision for him. So I think, unfortunately, Reading just got a complete... They got screwed over by the fact they were the away team there and the home team ref. For the handball, I mean, I I think the referee has the right to give the penalty. It is harsh, but it, 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 it the, the hand is out, the arm is out, and it's just one of those. If the referee doesn't give it, I think he's fair enough, but if he does give it, I also think he's fair enough. So... I don't I don't know if the, the game would have changed massively if we wouldn't have conceded that handball. That's kind of my question because 
we still just weren't good in attack, were we? So I still think we get beat even if those penalties, you know, go the other way. Even if we do score, we probably end up, you know, parking the bus and everything. And then they probably get the better of us in the end. That's kind of my issue is that away from home, when we are parking the bus, we have an idea of how to defend, but we can't attack for Toffee. And that's what you saw at Cardiff. And when we aren't parking the bus with our selection, we still don't really know what to do. We don't actually know how to build attacks and stuff away from home, do we? No, because our ball possession is poor. Our retention of the ball is shocking. And you know for a fact what you're going to get with Reading, especially if Carroll's up front. It's that they'll sit out to Carroll. hope he can hold on to it. But even then, we don't get players around quick enough to support him, especially away from home. So you leave him isolated. You know he ain't got no pace. He ain't going to hurt nobody. I mean, he's going to win it in the air. He's going to bully you. But if there's 20 yards between you and the goal, you think, well, he's not going to knock it past me and run. So in that case, you need to get them two wide players up quickly with him and, and moving into forward positions, not standing square. You want them on the run, don't you? You want Ince on the run. You want Mate on the run. You want Long or whoever's playing on the wide as he's uh, on the run. But you're not getting that. You're just getting, right, Carroll holds the ball. He passed it backwards to Hendrick or Loom or whoever happens to be in midfield. And then no one seems to make that dynamic move to go over the top of the play so the ball can be played into that area. Um, you know what I get with Carroll, but he needs some help. Um, and we're aside as well, we've probably got the, probably one of the best headers of the ball in the division. But how often do you see someone putting a decent cross for him to attack? Um, I think a lot of our goals, especially away from home, have come from either set pieces, free kicks or deflections. Um, but you've got a great header of the ball. Even Long's decent in the air. But when have you seen sort of a Jimmy Quinn type cross where they can go and actually attack it and head the ball into the net? It, if it does happen, it did against Blackpool. We scored a couple of goals. So, I mean, I just I don't see what the what the idea is. I don't get the idea. And especially away from home where we're getting punished every single week. Like you said, even if they... If they wouldn't give that first penalty against Reading and we wouldn't have got that penalty for long, we'd have still lost that game um, because we showed no ability to attack a side that are quite a far a, quite a way up the league compared to us. But it's not a new thing, is it? And we've seen it against Cardiff. Again, Cardiff are a really poor side who we made look like Barcelona. It, it, it's just, uh, they've, got to, they've got to think we've got to try something new. Um and Cassidy, you mentioned him earlier. I thought the first sort of 20 minutes against Blackpool, he looked lost. He was running around in circles, didn't seem to do doing a lot until the game calmed down a little bit. And then he put his spot on the ball and you see the boy had some quality. But again, Ince said a few weeks back that he didn't think he was ready for championship football. So why the hell are we signing him? I, I don't mm-hmm. understand the plan. I don't get it. Yeah, no, I think especially, I think I mean, we spent a lot of this season kind of wondering why certain players aren't going to play. And I don't think that Fauna and Guinness Walker would make a massive difference were they to play in this game. But they probably have a right to be sat on the bench thinking, why is McIntyre playing at left back ahead of me? You know, why Fauna looking at Cassidy thinking, why is he playing in front of me? I've played many more championship games than this guy has or many more senior games. And Cassidy... It's it's a bit of a curse that he's got this twelve million pound Chelsea price tag because I think anyone who's watched any kind of Chelsea football knows that their recruitment at the moment is a little bit scattergun at the kindest I can say. So just because Chelsea signed him for twelve million pounds doesn't mean he's a great footballer. He's in Italy under twenty one international, but I mean we've had a lot of under twenty one internationals that have gone on to not very much. So it's just a case of he needs time, and Reading probably don't really have that time at the moment, especially when you have. 
you know, and I'd say Fauna's near enough an established championship midfielder to to come on and do that sort of stuff instead. So I guess the question is for me now to kind of round off this discussion is what do we do next time we're away from home? We've got two home games next, then we've got a Blackburn on the 15th of March. Not an easy game at all. What, what do we think is going to happen? Are we just going to sit back again? Are we going to revert back to parking the bus and lose that way? Or are we going to continue with this idea of, you know, playing four at the back and and trying to create things. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Like I said, we, you could argue that it was a quite attacking lineup this week and we didn't lay a glove on them. And last week against Cardiff, it was a very defensive lineup and we didn't lay a glove on them. So <laughs> if you're the manager, you've got a serious problem. I had a, a sort of debate not so long ago with uh, A.D. Williams about Fulnar and he was saying, oh, the boy obviously wants to sign, stay here for next season. But I also ask the question with players like Cassidy coming into the side, who in that midfield is actually, can you say to yourself all season, yeah, I'll tell you what, he's now down a place. He's first pick. There isn't one, is there? There's not one player that you can sit in that midfield and think, even Hendrick, I don't I don't think he's particularly great. And he picks him every week. Um, but compared to the others, you'd probably say, actually, well, yeah, he's sort of steady Eddie type player. I still don't see what he does. But there's no player in that side that has nailed down that midfield. And A.D. Williams saying, well, yeah, Fournier is the sort of player they need to sign. I was like, why? Why would you want to sign him? I said, what has he done? I mean, what? What? he can't even get a, a place in the side now. So if he's really that good, surely he should be playing every week. But he's not. So uh, my argument is, and again, I well, like your opinion on it, Mark, is, is, is if Fournier gets the end of the season, you say, yeah, we're going to sign him. I mean, would you, based on this year, would you really look at it and think, yeah, he's the man to take us forward to get us further out that league? Or, or would you think, like I do, that actually, if you're signing them type of players, you're going to get what you're asking for, which is a average at best championship midfielder? Well, that's the thing. I think it comes down to ambition, doesn't it? If, if Reading are going into the summer and signing players to build a squad to kind of, you know, create something a bit more long-term, not necessarily that they're going to be fighting for playoffs. And I, I don't know whether Forrest would... I, I, I'll talk about Forrest loaning him out. I don't know about signing him permanently because that's not walk before... Or that's not fun before we can walk. But if you're talking about a team that is, you know, going to be built from the ground up and has a bit of time to it and everything like that, then I would say no to Fauna because, yes, he's a young player, but... I don't think his ceiling is particularly higher than it is at the moment. And like I said, he's perfectly established championship midfielder. If if Reading were going to do this season again, in terms of if we were still in the mire with the transfers, if everything was still you know screwed up, basically, then I probably would keep him because he can, for what I assume is not very much money, do a job that would get Reading around about 16th in the tech table and be a squad player and, you know, be a good guy and all that sort of stuff. In that, in the kind of pessimistic scenario, I, I probably would have him. But if you're building an ambitious team, if Reading can somehow, we'll talk about the points deduction stuff later, come into the summer with some genuine wriggle room and all that sort of stuff, then I would probably say that no, because you would want a higher calibre of player fundamentally. Yeah, I guess I agree with you. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see the potential in some of these players that can't nail it down a place now in a team that's got the worst away record in the division, uh, and even at home, yeah, we've won games, but arguably some of them we were kind of fortunate. Um, it'd be interesting to see what goes up in the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we've got some tough games going forward. But to answer your question that I completely dodged earlier was um, about what would you do defensive or attack 
in your next away game. Now, I thought probably against Blackburn, especially the home game against Blackburn, was the best I've seen Reading play all season. They were excellent that day. So they shouldn't be going there under any any, any fear that this is an exceptionally great side when we we took them to the sword when we were at home. Um, just, I just think you need to get players around Carroll a lot quicker. And if that means playing um, Tom Best, uh, Tom Best, Tom Ince in um, a lot closer to Carroll for the knockdowns and two players wide that are going to get on the run so you can knock balls in behind defences, that's how I would play against every team in this division because let's face it, I mean, we've seen virtually all the sides now. And once again, the Championship is much of a much this. There's no great sides in it. Um, and you'll probably end up with teams like Millwall and Luton that end up in the playoffs. So it, I think you should really go out to try and beat everyone in this division because you, you will. Um, and let's face it, we've been trying to hold on to games away from home all season. It's not really worked, has it? So to come up with something different, but just get players running behind defences. Just give us half a chance of getting some goals. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I'd agree with that. You look at look at the table this year. Luton fifth, Norwich have been appalling for a lot of the year, and they're sixth. Millwall, Coventry eighth, nothing special, no no disrespect, but Watford have been a shambles. Then ninth, they're not that far off the, the playoffs. And uh, yeah, the the final thing I'd say on the recap then is Stoke away we had three shots on target, Man United away two shots on target, Sunderland away one, and then Cardiff and Middlesbrough back to back away games without a shot on target. So it's just fundamentally not working, is it? So hopefully, hopefully, Ince has some sort of special plan, obviously, but I do kind of doubt it. Let's hear from the man himself, then we'll go into the mailbag. I'm, I'm annoyed because the players did well in the first 45 minutes. You look at that, the first 45 minutes, you think, yeah, we've, I'm, I'm saying to Al, yeah, we're doing okay, we're holding our own, you know, it's a very good team. Send in your views to the at gmail.com and have your say in the mailbag. Right, a few questions this week. Some, some of more of a showing the general mood. I think it's probably best to say. Ad Williams actually tweeting us saying, "Stop it." Andrew Butcher saying, "Just why?" Southbank asking, "If Ince is the answer, what's the question?" Neil Hussey saying, "Is the manager still the manager because he's one of the players' dad?" Um, which I don't think is quite the case. I mean, in turn, have a quick chat about the whole Ince out kind of deal which wasn't no one's really like massively asking for ints out at any point over the last few weeks or months because the home form has saved him really with the wins over Rotherham and Blackpool but we're kind of in a state now where I mean I guess we're just kind of waiting for the points deduction really and then we'll know what what kind of fight we've really got on our hands but I guess ints is he is perfectly safe now isn't he in the job um, I don't know if anyone's safe as a football manager. I think uh, you're only two or three bad results away from someone pulling the trigger on you. Um, that said, the, the home form has helped. Well, of course, it's helped. Obviously, it's helped. Um, but if you're having... If you imagine it was the other way around and the home fans were sat through defeat after defeat every week, then you'd probably pull the trigger a lot quicker, wouldn't you? Because obviously the away fans, who, who the stalwarts really, go all over the country watching them. There's probably only uh, six to 1,200 that goes to sort of every match um, consistently. So if you're putting that in front of 17,000 every week, then you might get a different opinion. Um, but I think it's, I think let's go back to the start of the season and you can't keep carping on about it, but let's face it. I thought all of us thought we was going to get relegated. Um, they've done a, they've done a job in getting the back room uh, more organized and there's got a plan now. We seem to have a plan with Bowen and that there. Um the players they got in, yeah, we've got a lot of journeymen and players that were at the back end of their careers just to try and keep us in the championships. That's what you started the season with, which was 
it was poor, wasn't it? Um, uh, even some of our sort of players who are playing every week are well into their 30s, um, which is giving you no opportunity then for pushing forward as, as the years go by. So it's not a plan for like tomorrow, it's a plan for today. So from what they add, they've done all right. Let's face it, if we if we do get these six points, then we're back in trouble again when really we shouldn't have been and we'd have been comfortable for the rest of the season. I think probably two more wins and you'd have been safe. I can't see them bottom three getting anywhere near 50 points. So it would have been a comfortable season. And I think if you're going to make a decision at the end of the year to change things, then maybe you could have done. Um, we don't know what next year is going to bring, whether we can bring in some players a bit more ilk and a bit more quality and slightly younger. And we're not sure yet. So I, I think it's, is he's not had a good record wherever he's been, as he let's face it. Um, he he's done a job for keeping us up. Um, they've helped to get the backroom staff settled. Is in sub manager for the future? Probably not. Um, so at some stage he will be let go. I just hope it's on our terms rather than the fact that we're in so much trouble that we've had to get rid of him. Um, we shall see. I don't think he'll be here at the back end of next year, um, next season, regardless of what goes on. Yeah, I think I, I I struggle to see him being here in March of next year, for example, because I just don't think whatever happens will be above where we are in the table. And if we are kind of getting on in the good scenario with the points and everything, all the all the financial stuff is clearing up and the murky waters are great. Um, then if we're 15th in March of next year and we've got a bit of wriggle room and we're looking ahead, then I don't think they want Ince anymore because they start thinking about promotion. So that's a good scenario. That's probably the best case scenario actually really, isn't it? But um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. John Osborne said, why have Reading gone from former promotion chases to mid-table or relegation battlers? Since this owner came in, this club has gone downhill fast. We used to be a club no one liked playing to a club being laughed at. And I mean, this is really a topic that needs its own podcast, to be brutally honest. So we'll have to give a bit of a a, um, a shortened answer. But I think that you mentioned earlier, Westy, about signing players. And I can't remember who said it on the telly the other day, but it said you kind of live or die by your recruitment. At the end of the day, even Pep Guardiola will say that he has to have the best players in the world to be the best manager in the world. It's obvious, really, isn't it? And that's what Reading have done badly in the last few years. They've signed bad players and paid too much for it and not got the contracts right. And when the players aren't right, and I mean, the managers, I said in the podcast the other week, we're not, we never get good managers, really, do we? Never exceptional managers. And it's it's pretty simple after that, isn't it? When when you pay too much for bad players and they don't produce, your team isn't as good. You don't have very good managers coming in. That's kind of it, really, isn't it? I mean, you can go back. You can go back quite a long way and look at Reading signings, can't you? I mean, I think if you look at the Copples team, the 106 team, they bought players that probably weren't that fashionable. They got a lot of youngsters in your Sidwells and your Arpers that were sort of dropping down from bigger, better mm. clubs, and um, sort of they turned good. Um, they see the potential in them. But ever since then, I mean, really, whenever Reading spend a lot of money on a player, they're always rubbish. I mean, Puskas, seven million, whoever thought he was a seven million pound player, God only knows. Um, but he's not he's not isolated. You've got your even sort of during couple's time, your Greg Alfords, Emers Fays, the players that Reading spent big money on in the day have never really sort of pushed on and thought, actually, yeah, he's made this team better. Um, so this has been a it's not it's not about the new owners, I think it's just been an endemic of Reading. For, for years, not being able to recruit players that have come in and really, really offer you something different and better and push you up that league. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a number of years. I mean, unless I'm missing someone that, off the top of my head that I can't think of, um, there's not been a player that Redden has spent big money on 
that you can actually say, do you know what, he's he's, he's going to go on to bigger, better things, and he's he's been great for us. Um, we've had a bit, a few players here and there, youngsters, the Elise's, and that that we probably never got anywhere near getting the best out of them. I mean, remember this: Elise didn't start every week, even when he was here. Um, so we was lucky with him, and obviously Richards went for nothing. So we we really haven't kicked on since the 106 year when we had a good squad of players that all worked hard together. So now, have we? I don't, unless I'm missing something, Mark, I can't remember any really, really good players. I thought, yeah, you know what? That's an excellent footballer we just saw in there. No, I mean, I'm just actually looking at the list of um, the supposed, I mean, this is on transfermarket.co.uk, so it's not necessarily a definitive list. It certainly isn't accurate completely because it's saying that we spent £2 million on Danny Williams and I thought it was free. But um, you look at the players that we've spent money on, over £3 million over the years. There's basically 10 of them. Um, Gunter, Faye, Mariapa, Sam Baldock, Ajaria, Ilori, Halford, Zhao, Aluko, Puskas, and how many of those players were exceptional footballers. You've got your Gunters in there who, you know, had had good times. Ilori wasn't a bad player. Zhao has obviously had, probably he's probably been the best signing out of all those, and he's only really had like, two high quality seasons of you know that, that were above his pay grade so yeah i just think that you look at the recruitment fundamentally over the years and reading just haven't haven't made it work and i guess that kind of leads us on to where we're going in a minute with the news bites discussion paul saying moving on to next season can reading fc guarantee no points deduction for next season before we renew our season tickets um which i think is probably not going to happen but fundamentally um, is a question that people have, have a good right to ask. So let's get into news bites and talk about the points deduction, where the team is going in the coming days. For all the latest Reading news, analysis and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. So I know it's not necessarily new news, but in news bites we are going to talk about the points deduction because it's kind of expected this week and, you know, there's it's all kind of murky and we don't exactly know what's going on. Um, there's talk of kind of six points. We have a six-point suspended penalty from last time. Um, there's talk of a potential more six points, but then we don't really know where this is coming from. There's talk that the points deduction is based on something that's not in the recent period when the EFL have kind of had their had their hands all over our finances to make sure we can't overspend. Quite frankly, if it is from that period, then that is an absolute damnation on both the EFL and the club. Um, there's a lot of people online who are kind of blaming the EFL for the whole thing. There's obviously people who are blaming Reading for the whole thing. Um, there's even talk that other clubs in the championship are kind of dobbing us in to some extent. So, Westy, where are you kind of at with this emotionally? Where do you kind of feel that we're, um, where, where are you kind of at with this whole point seduction stuff? Well, I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, I think we we knew well, we knew we had it hanging over our head, but I think most of us have forgot about it, to be honest. We knew we had a suspended six months sentence, uh, six point deduction. Um, but I thought, as most of the fans thought, that Reading have kept their house in order over the last two seasons. Like I said, anyone we've signed out has been ratified, so EFL must have known what we were spending. And I think the only problem Reading have had is the fact that some of the big earners, like your Moors of the world, they were unable to offload. I know they got rid of my loan for a little while, but then he's been back since, hasn't he? So don't think you can really blame the club for that. That's not their fault. Um, I thought it was done and dusted with, probably like you, Mark, and some of the others. I just thought they'd get to the end of this season. Um, they sort of let the shackles off a little bit and uh, everything go back to normal. But 
if they are going to get another six point deduction, I think it's harsh on Reading. Um, I think, like I said, we have towed the line. I don't think you can really blame the new owners for, for what's gone on before. Um, we all know that Reading have you just read out some of the shocking signings they made over the last five or six years, and you can see where some of the money's gone. Um, it's just the timing's poor, I think. If there's any a good time, if it had been the start of the season, at least we'd know what we're starting with. But this is going to chuck us into the mire, isn't it? It's gonna if we're going to take six point deduction now, especially with some of the fixtures we got going forward, um, it's going to be a struggle. Um, but I think if you look at the last couple of games of the season, we've got Wigan and Huddersfield to play, haven't we? So it's still be on our own hands to stay up, and hopefully they should still stay up. Um, it's just uh, I can't believe that we're the only club. Uh, in that division that have overspent over the last five years because I look at some of the other teams and the players they've got and I think, come on, it can't just be read in. So if we're going to get punished for it, I'm expecting over the next three or four seasons for a number of teams to fall under the same um, restraints that we have. Yeah, no, I know there was an article in the evening standing in the week about QPR having massive issues, um, I guess, on and off the pitch now. Um, teams like Swansea are, are running out of parachute payments, if not already. Stoke are big spenders. Their parachute payments will be going soon, although they're probably still just about in the last three-year cycle. Um, Sunderland are spending quite a decent amount of money. Hull as well. And yeah, it is just... It's just this, but I, I think that fundamentally, again, this is probably a whole podcast in, a, in and of itself, but fundamentally there is an, a real issue in the championship and probably the football league and all the way down to teams like South End that are having massive issues at the moment. There was just a real issue with the the kind of Premier League having so much money that it has not really trickled down at all in the last few years. You see all the January spending that the Premier League clubs were doing. None of it was on the Football League players. None of the teams like, you know, think of your Brentfords in the past and that sort of lot who have sold players to teams above them. None of those players are being picked up anymore, not even being produced, arguably. Um, So it just means that to get into that promised land, clubs are spending money they don't have. What Reading have at the moment, yeah, I thought we were past it as well. And six points, I don't think it will get us relegated, but it certainly won't help. But it probably give Blackpool, Wigan and Huddersfield as much motivation as it would give us motivation to fight it. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's just hugely demoralising. It's just, there's a massive apathy towards the whole thing that I've kind of got. And it just, I just, even if it's six points now, I just kind of want it to be done in the summer and to kind of move on. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, do you think you said it? Championship teams are going to keep having these sort of problems. What do you think would potentially even fix it one day? Well, it's, it's again, it normally it's because of the fallout from the Premier League, and it? it's teams that have come down um, and not managed to get themselves back up. I mean, what I think Watford must have sort of some severe financial issues as well because the money they spent in a Premier League on on strikers was, you know, obscene to to, to say a word for so them players to be dropping into the Championship. And I know they've offloaded a few now, but. It, it, it's if you can't move them Premier League players on because they're not good enough to play in the Premier League, which would suggest the reason you got relegated, um, and you can't get yourself up in two or three years, then your club's going to be in severe financial trouble. Um, we've seen it ourselves that we couldn't offload Liam Moore for one reason or another when we really wanted to. And if you're putting on a big wage, I think the only way you can really get around it is when you drop into the Championship, these players have to take a massive pay cut. Um, because some of them keep their keep their Premier League contracts and end up in the Championship, and that's sort of the cherry to get some of these players to come and play for unfashionable clubs like ourselves, your Watford to the world. Um, 
to, to, to get them in the first place, you have to give them contracts that you probably can't afford based on the fact you're in the Premier League. And then when you drop down, you can't offload these players because people don't want them because they don't feel they're good enough. Um, and that's where a lot of clubs have found their problems and the teams you just called out there. Again, a lot of them have been in the Premier League and they're finding that this is when you drop down, you don't go back up, that you've got a serious issue financially with your club. Um, what's, what's round it? Just not overspending in the Premier League. I think Norwich have been great at that down the years. Um, they were quite prepared to get relegated and go back up again. And you very rarely have a, an issue with Norwich and what they're spending in their finances, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I think probably that's that's the model and just hope that you can get two or three seasons in a, in a Premier League before you're a bit more sort of financially secure. Um, but also we have a problem with people coming in at clubs, don't we? You, you know, we've had it here where we've had chairman take over, do three seasons, strip the assets to a certain extent and then disappear off into the into Thailand or China or wherever they've come from in the first place. And again, I think that that's, that's a football problem that needs to be addressed as well. Long-term sustainability. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's plenty more um, Plenty more will be discussed on this in the week ahead and keep an eye on the Tyler stand for all of the uh, the latest when it comes to the points deduction and everything as it breaks this week. Might have already broken that news as you're listening to this podcast. Right, well, we'll round up then, get into big match preview, talk about Sheffield United at home. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you ours! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. So let's start with some trivia, as is becoming customary for the Big Match Preview. And I will ask you, Wesley, when was the last time that we beat Sheffield United at home in the league? Cool. What year? Yeah, I've got to guess a year, have I? Yeah, roughly. Must have been a while, because we really, sort of dodged each other league-wise for quite a while, I think, haven't we? On and off. I'm going to go, I don't know, eight years ago, let's say 2016, 2015. It's 2007. Wow. It's a long, long it was, it was the 3-1 win um, over the and Neil Warnock and Wally Downs going at it in the dugout. Ulysses De La Cruz scoring one of the best goals I've ever seen live. That was the last time we beat them at home in the league, which is uh, quite, a, quite a long time ago, actually, isn't it? Good game, that one as well, I seem to remember. Yeah, cracker. Really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, so they're back. 8pm, March the 7th. That's Tuesday night at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. I'm not sure if this game's on the Sky Sports Fed button. I can't see evidence that it is, but I might be wrong about that. Um, they've lost three of their last four in the league. So even though they are riding high, um, they're there to be got at. Yeah, like again, like we said earlier, like most championship sides, I mean, they do have patchy results because you have a number of games to play in a week. And sometimes it brings up the odd result, doesn't it? And, you know, although we've been down on red and I've been a bit ranty today, um, at home, you say we are good at home, you just hope that they can get some out of this game. Even if it ends up being a nil-nil draw, I think most of us will say, do you know what, we'll take a point. Um, it's another point nearer survival. And if we're going to get six points reduction this week, then that could be crucial at the end of the season. So, yeah, I'd, I don't think measures. if you watch the first game against Sheffield United away, when we got beat 4-0, Reading barely touched the ball. So they're going to have to bring a better game plan than they did that day. Um, so let's hope they can. What side he's going to put out, again, is is up for debate, isn't it? Because like I say, no one's nailed down their place from this weekend. So he might have wholesale changes again. Who knows? Yeah, I think there's a good chance we'll go back to three at the back, actually. And that's what Sheffield United usually play. So if we match up with that, I would not be surprised. 
um, at all. They got beaten um, against Blackburn away on the weekend. Ollie Norwood obviously coming back to Reading once again. But yeah, that's what I expect us to do. And yeah, I think there's I think there's a good chance of this. I mean, imagine if on Tuesday we have the six point deduction handed down to us. It might be a might be the motivation to kick us on and have yeah. a good performance. Um, so let's do the predictions then. Everybody, pretty much, apart from Sim, who thought we beat Middlesbrough, got a win against Blackpool and a defeat to Middlesbrough. No one got the score, though. So it's basically as you were at the top. Ben's on 27 points, Adam 23, Westy 22, and then the rest of us trailing behind. So, Westy, I'll give you the first shot at Sheffield United for Tuesday night. Do you know, I was so gutted the other day when at Blackpool game when I, I picked 3-0 and they scored that last minute goal. I, I had the same as well. I thought I was in the bag. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I thought it was nailed on, especially after they give them chance after chance in the first half they couldn't take. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be hard to predict a win. I'm going to have to go for Sheffield United 3 0. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I'm I'm going to go for 1 2. I think we'll score, but yeah, Sheffield United winning. I mean, we haven't, we have been good at home, but no one's flawless at home. I suppose the worry is. That um, you know, Reading have two very difficult games this week. We'll come. We'll be. We'll be back after the um the Millwall game at home, which is another team that we seldom beat. But I think if Reading Reading get oh, a, a, any win out of these two games, I'll be very happy with that. Oh yeah, definitely. If they can get one win there, the next two home games, I think even if we got two draws, two points, I think I'd take I'll take that at the moment, especially after a five nil dropping away from home. Definitely. Well, Westy, it's been it's been one of those podcasts where we've probably not had loads of laughs. We've probably not had loads of <laughs> loads of great uh, great things to talk about. But I'd say one of the one of the very necessary podcasts that we have to do every once in a while to kind of get our house in order and and see what's really going on at the club. Yeah, I, I feel like I've come on all angry and ranty today, so it's not it's not my usual style. I tried to be a bit more controlled, but I think. When you look back at uh, when you get beat five and away from us, it's very difficult to come on and be very positive. And um, well, I think the one thing we have sort of done this week is we sort of a little bit defended Ince and the fact he's getting a lot of pelters from the fan base about some of his uh, interviews after matches. I think to be fair to Ince, what he's saying is right, whether you say it or not, it's two different things. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll be back after the Millwall game on Saturday, but we'll probably have a lot clearer idea of what sort of battle Reading are going to be in for the rest of the season. Until then, thank you for listening and come on your ass.